Welcome to the Get to Vet podcast, where we bridge the knowledge gaps in the military transition process so you can focus on what's ahead. Hey, Get to Vet listeners, this is Mike. And now for my personal disclaimer, although I am active duty military, I'm not an official spokesperson of the United States Navy. Any of my views expressed on the Get to Vet podcast are based on my personal experience. Thanks for listening. Hey there, Get to Vet. This is Trevor Maxwell and back from Florida with a kind of looks like he has a little bit of a tan as my partner in crime. Yeah, I'm uh, quite Bronze Mike Riggs right now. Yeah. Yeah. Bronze Good to be Mike. back. <laughs> Bronze Mike Riggs. <laughs> and uh, today, this episode uh, is a topic that we've been meaning to, to cover for a while. This is especially important if you are retiring from the military. So if you're not retiring and you know somebody who is, make sure they listen to this episode because this is probably one of the most important decisions you're going to make during retirement and you want to make sure you don't screw it up. So um, today, our guest that we have today is uh, Scott Tucker. Full disclosure, Scott and I work together in, in my business outside of uh, Get to Vet, but um, he's kind of, you know, little backstory there. The, the old firm I was at, I came to come work with Scott at US Vet Wealth, which, you know, he's the founder of, because I really liked his take on what he was doing with networking and personal branding and, and social media marketing. So I'll, I'll let Scott uh, kind of introduce himself and, and tell his own story. And, you know, this is something that me and him will, will dig into a lot because it's a, it's a topic that we work around every day. So Scott. Hey, what's up guys. Uh, appreciate you having me on Trevor, Mike, um, Trevor, you forgot the, the one thing that uh, you're most passionate about. It's life insurance right yeah <laughs> just I, I mean I, I joke about that all the time it's like I, it's not like I I got into this like I want to I want to be known as the life insurance guy it just so happened the real thing I developed a passion around was solving problems it just so happened when I got out of the military that was the industry I was in and when it came I think what you've been alluding to uh, during that intro is what we want to talk about today you know the military version veteran version of life insurance how does that translate to the civilian world how, how does it complement you know so, so on and so forth so um it's an important topic we kind of stumbled into realizing nobody was talking about it not in a sp specific way the way we do and you know that led to learning about all right how do you get this message out well how do you find the right people that it's for it's not for everybody so and you know build a brand around it and part of that's you know, podcast and meet people like you who get it and want to ultimately do this better um, than just the average stuff you can get from anyone. Yeah. And, and uh, so you've also written a couple of books where, where you talk about this stuff too. He's uh, Scott's also the author of veteran wealth secrets, his new book that just came out. Um, you know, we've worked on a lot of stuff together. He's also the author of the veteran and military life insurance planning, uh, or I should say the, uh, what is it called? The the modern guide to veteran and life insurance, veteran and military life insurance planning. And, you know, if you don't, I think we already mentioned, right. We're talking about survivor benefit plan here. Uh, if you're not familiar with the survivor benefit plan, you'll probably hear about it in GPS, which is kind of sad. Like realistically, you should probably be hearing about this stuff when you're two years out from, especially for somebody who's been doing this for 20 or 30 years. Technically, it's already a benefit while you're on active duty. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Just so um, unfortunately, we're, I'm talking to an Air Force, uh, actually Space Force colonel right now. And a old buddy of his, uh, I think F-16 pilot, uh, died in a crash back in June. And active duty and the wife still hasn't received an SBP payment. So that's going on a year now. And that's active duty. So it's just like little things like that. Think about. You know, we think, you know, our benefits, our military benefits are benefiting us, but it's like, do they? I mean, how, think of all the pain you've had through your career of, you know, getting your orders changed, your PCS orders, just having to move all you know, so often, so, you know, going and learning a new job. It's like, these are all d difficult things that we think are either part of the job or even a benefit uh, to being in the military. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, 
you know, if, if anything bureaucratic, it's there's going to be moving parts to it. And so um, it's harder. And, and we think, hey, on the private side of, of things, on the free market, you can have more control. And it's like, don't you want that? Yeah. And, and I know. Well, go ahead, Mike. No, it's interesting you say that it brings up some of the things I used to come across when, you know, we worked in a, a very uh, highly dangerous occupation. And of course, we would have casualties every now and then. And it always brought up the the Kickstarter, you know, people always wanted to fund the, you know, the Kickstarter and, and donate to oh, that the thing. GoFundMe. The yeah. GoFundMe. Yeah, sorry. And it, it used to drive me crazy. That, and I, and I, people's hearts were always in the right place that wanted to start that stuff. But GoFundMe, I know they take a, I don't know what their percentage is, but I, I think it's pretty high, can, can, you know, compared because, but, but the fact of the matter is, you know, they're, they're getting the SDLI, the family, they get a hundred grand as well off, you know, immediately within, I think it's within 24 or 48 hours. And then they also are supposed to get the SBP at, you know, as soon as that happens as well. But a lot of, you know, from what you're saying, that's sad that they, they, they didn't get that. And that's, that's kind of ridiculous. I, I, I mean, even on the government website, again, I mean, it's just, it's it's like anything government right fill out this form once you submit the form it will take anywhere from 45 to 60 days it says this on the website and assuming there are no mistakes it's like okay there's always gonna be a mistake the forms are too complicated you know it's just like some grieving military spouse actually we have a we have a very close friend of ours um husband uh a veteran uh, just passed away and she was just like uh how do i file for this spp thing and and I'm like, man, let me know if I can help, but it's tough. Here's the website with eight different links to click, and it's really confusing and stuff. It's just like, what if you didn't have to worry about that pain at all? It seems like it's this, it's this blanket, like, okay, at least I'm going to get some of the pension. Well, as I outline in the book, it, it's really not that great. You're only getting 55% of the pension. That doesn't include your VA disability. That doesn't include any new income. So if you think about what you were making on active duty, adding all the you know benefits that don't have a price tag to it, medical stuff or whatever, you know, think about what you're really making and then get out of the military, regardless of what your post-military income is. You get hit by a bus on day one, what's that SBP payment monthly? Like for, let's talk about, an, I've talked to a lot of like 05s, 06s, you know, that's going from a, you know, a what, pretty good, you know, crossing the six figure income, at least, you know, 10 K a month, plus or minus, and, you know, dropping down to two 2,500 a month for the spouse. Oh, by the way, it's taxable only comes monthly. You know, that, that doesn't seem like a benefit in that kind of worst case scenario situation. It just seems like uh, well, the government's taking care of you and great. I'm glad that's there for everybody. Um, but my thing was, and, and kind of how I started with vet wealth is I, I hated all of us getting put in a box. Like we're all put in this box. And when it comes to the financial box, it's, oh my God, you're all broke. You're all dumb. You're going to buy a truck or a Ford Mustang. And it's like, not everybody, <laughs> not everybody that I've, I've met E5s saving, you know, tons of money. I met 06s that are completely broke too. So it's just like, you'd find all you know, people getting into real estate side businesses, their spouses are doing well, success, you know, successful. Either way, if you do a career and you're getting a pension, and then you get some sort of secondary income. Um, not everybody just planned to go fish at the lake. You know, awesome if you are. Hope hope you're financially set up for it. That would be great. That's that's my goal of my other book. Um, but you know, if you're making even just one of these contracting jobs that a lot of people get, well, bam, you're you're making you know 200k a year. You know, even even enlisted guys can make some serious money afterwards with their skill sets. They can translate. Not everybody, but for some of them. It's like now you're in the high income earner. You're in a whole different bracket of Americas, Americans, just like that. You're in the top four, 10%. And so why are we doing our financial strategy like we're the other 90% of Americans who are you know, getting by? Again, again, America's a great place to be. But really, we're in the top percent of income earners, or we can be, or we have a pretty good step up and we can talk about all the other things we got going for you to make that situation easier. I know transition's hard, but let's, let's say some of the ones who do it right end up doing pretty, pretty well. And so 
then all of a sudden taxes are different. You know, what, where do I put my money? You know, just things change. How long do I actually want to work? Maybe I don't have to work as long as I want. You know, people love Amazon, but you know, they come out of there after a few years and it's like, Ooh, I gotta, I gotta take a pay cut and do something else, you know, chill out. It's like, it's a significant pay cut. So there's all these unknowns that are going to happen in transition anyways. Why are we, why are we doing this whole, I, God bless the Dave Ramsey types. You know, it's just the, the, the most well-known example, but this assumption that we're just going to be on this fixed income for 40 years, put all your money in one place, the stock market, well diversified in the stock market. Well, that's a lie. It's all the eggs in one basket, the stock market. <laughs> so, you know, I just, I just thought, you know, people who are a little bit more financially savvy or want to be at least, man, they can take themselves to the next level pretty easily given all the opportunities we have going for us as veterans. So, but it takes, it takes another mindset around money of not just saving it for this retirement one day, but to actually think about, I want to use it. Like, like for me, I put all my money in through a savings plan in a Roth IRA. When I got out of the military, I was 30 and I was like, I want to start businesses and stuff. So I was like, well, I'm just taking it out of those retirement accounts. I don't, retirement wasn't high on any sort of priority list for me. And it's even, even you the average veteran, it's, it's just not, it, there's too many things going on right now to think about. I've got saving most for retirement, my priority yet, if they are saving, that's where all the money's going. There's just so much incongruity around this stuff that I just found frustrating. I was like, the advice I'm giving isn't helping, you know, these types of, of people that can really go to the next level. I want to come up with better strategies, new technology, new mindset. Really? It's the same type of stuff. I mean, we're not, we're not, talking about bitcoin and stuff here you know that there's a piece for that of course but this is just standard stuff it's just about more flexibility with your benefits with your pay structure you know whatever you're getting your new income starting a business whatever it is being flexible for the opportunities that are coming and going and you know sometimes you get a job and that industry goes away with the new technology you want to be prepared for that as well if you got you know one post-military career path one job one one customer mindset one employer mindset really have one customer it's pretty risky right so these are these are the types of things we think about when we're diversifying and specifically when we think about what is the value of that military pension i mean that's the important thing that trevor was talking about yeah and it's well on top of the pension the va disability i mean i don't mind disclosing this stuff but i'm i'm knocking down clearing a little over 6k a month just between my retirement and disability and the majority of that's tax-free. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's, that's huge. That's money that I'm going to have and it's going to, you know, increase maybe not exactly with inflation, but it's still going to go up every year and, and try to maintain pace with that. But I guess, you know, I was that guy, like when I retired, you know, I've got a lot of cool guns and I've had a lot of really awesome trucks over the years. Um, you know, when I was doing that six months on six months off, you know, either Iraq or Afghanistan, but when I sat down and, and I nerd out all, I, I say, I do the math on it. My wife makes fun of me for it all the time, but whatever. Um, I, I looked at that and I was like, dude, I, I literally, had I been smart and, and, you know, done things the right way, I could have retired with, you know, I came up with a range of somewhere between, you know, 800 and $1.2 million um, when I retired at 20 years, it, you know, at the ripe old age of 37, I didn't. Yeah, and, and but it's it's just like, well, why would you have? There's no motivation for it. They can talk about all the financial education they shoved down. Hey, all right, it's financial education week for the military. You know, great. You know, put all these different websites out there. But the motivation is always from, uh, oh, you should be doing this. It's like, hold on, we can train all these people. To, to, to go to war, all the, th all the complications involved with going to war, but we, but it's, it's like super difficult to get them to do, want to do personal finance, you know, pro, you know, <laughs> so it's like, this is ridiculous. It's the incentive, the incentive. It's the story is bad. Well, we tell them one story to keep them this in the military. Hey, stay in the military. Look at all this, you know, things you got going for you. Well, of course we want to keep our force strong, but at some point that is going to end anyways. And, um, yeah. So it's it just, you know, at some point people got to take kind of responsibility for their, their own money <laughs> and, uh, and, and say, Hey, this is what I, I got to figure out what I want to do with it. Um, otherwise, you know, what's, what's the point? 
Well, I think the emergence of the blended retirement system here in the last couple of years or three or four years, whenever it came online, I think is a new issue that the military is really going to have to struggle with in regards to talent retention. Because <laughs> I think it really gives folks uh, an off-ramp option that wasn't there before. Because, you know, like I said it before on other podcasts, but, you know, the age of pensions, the true pensions and companies, corporations, uh, those are gone. Those are almost, you see them in the railroad, I think, maybe. Yeah. And that's about it anymore because they're so damn expensive. They, they you know, companies, they, they die from the inside out over pension plans. And, and now they're 401ks because people, it's a suitcase. You just take your suitcase of cash and you go to the next place and you drop it there and you go to the next one and you go to the next one. Well, the military has created that through the blended retirement system. And so, you know, at the 10 year mark was really, it's oftentimes right around the 10 year mark is where you're, you're sitting on the fence, either I'm in for 20 or I'm out. Well, now, I mean, you can go to, you know, 14, 16, maybe even, and go, you know what, I'm out later. I, I've got this, I've been fiscally responsible. You know, I've, I've got this pretty sweet TSP that I've been getting matched for 16 years. I've, you know, I've, I haven't been an idiot like me too, and bought a new truck, a new truck every time I survived a combat deployment and I built up a nice nest egg and, and I'm out and it's a new game. And how are you going to retain that talent? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think you're right because at the end of the day, I, I don't I don't think that they the incentive that they perceive is there basically just matching. That's really the only incentive that and you can get something of a pension earlier. Um, people just still won't save enough, like because they tried this in the, in the traditional workforce as well. I mean, the whole concept of the 401k go, goes back to the 70s. Once the pensions were really blowing up and they realized that wasn't going to work. Wall Street, you know, went and knocked on Capitol Hill's door and said, hey, we can take care of this for you. Let's, uh, you know, cre create a benefit structure, a tax benefit structure where that'll incentivize people to save money. We'll manage it for them. We'll charge our fees, by the way. And uh, then you can get people to create this huge tax savings, take the burden off of you government from having to bail out these companies with their pensions because the employees just take care of themselves and then they feel good about themselves. And they're not really aware of what they're saving, what it's in. This, and this is essentially what TSP is as well. It just happens to be the cheapest version of all of that. Well, it's still run by one of the major financial firms out there. And even though they're only getting, I don't know, what is it, 0.03% fee? That's for the entire government. They're getting a lot of money for not doing anything really than, you know, they're putting up a website and, and, and the way you, the costs involved with managing the assets. Anyways, I'm not, you know, trying to poo-poo it. It's just... You know, there's there's some big factors going on here and some some history behind it. And it's all about incentives to get people to save. And it's great to get the Americans to save. But their intentions are all now aligned with one thing. Um, and it all has to do around, you know, hitting, making enough money to save for yourself to retire, to hopefully survive. But oh, by the way, to also pay the taxes that Uncle Sam wants. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, for me, something that I kind of realized just spending years looking through people's tax paperwork, people in the military don't pay in much, pay as much in taxes as they think they do. Oh, fives are paying almost. I mean, literally, if you look at the you know real income tax paid, the effective tax rate, yeah, yeah less than five percent. This is an oh five, you know, that that's making, you know, on paper in D.C., the equivalent of one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Well, housing is just free money. That's not taxable. Um, special pays and stuff. I mean, the only thing that's taxable is your base pay. And then you take the write-offs from that. It's like, yeah, there's nothing. It's like the tax bill. This is the other shock that a lot of, a lot of guys, when you hear about them getting out, they think they're going to get this awesome pension. And they realize, well, I got the good contracting job too. So basically my whole pension is paying my tax bill now. Like, great. And well, uh, <laughs> I think the other big thing with that, too, is I think a mistake that a lot of them, they, they make the same mistake they did when they came into the military. And it's the same one I did. They get out. You know, when I came in, I've, I've fixed that since. But, 
you know, people get out and they say, all right, I'm making twice as much money. I can go out and buy twice as much shit. Now I need a new boat and truck and RV and you know, all this other crap. And, and they just fall into that same trap of like, you know, I got to fill that void (laughs) with something. Or you're like me, I've been living in Virginia since 2006 and I've never been a resident of Virginia and I've legally avoided paying personal property tax because I've never, because I've still been either a resident of West Virginia or Florida. And so when I get that lovely personal property tax for my truck that says, you know, as soon as I bought it and paid the sales tax in Virginia, and then four weeks later, they say, oh, by the way, the city of Chesapeake wants you to pay $1,700 in addition to, because you have this nice new lovely truck, uh, and I can fortunately give them an LES and make it all go away. That's over with. So, and that's annual too. They depreciate a little bit, but it's annual. So, and, and it's on every vehicle. So that's, that storm's brewing and, and people don't account for that. So you better, did you, it's coming. Did you happen to see, uh, on the last ballot though, they had that measure that passed, uh, if you get a hundred percent permanent in total on your VA disability claim, which, when I look at your medical records, uh, I'm <laughs> my, my 2000 pages. Yeah. yeah. But, but not everybody's going to be like that. So, and, and I think to kind of get back on topic here, Scott, you talk about like protecting the true value of your pension. Um, so let's go kind of make, get back onto that track for a minute and get people to understand, like, what does that really mean when you say the true value of your pension? What it means is, you know, you served that 20 plus years, you and your family and all the sacrifices we know that's happened in the post 9-11 you know, era. Um, and, you know, you did it to get that 20. I mean, that that's pretty obvious goal. Once you hit 10, you feel I'm probably going to do 20. You know, everybody knows about those decisions. So so that you could get that pension. You're you know, pretty pretty much expecting it. That that's the deal of of staying in longer. And then some people get close to the 20. They think, well, maybe I can get promoted. Then I can get a little bit more. And uh, and really, they're just extending a decision of what do I do with myself when I get out? But uh, guilty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, hey, in that same three years. Not guilty. <laughs> I almost it almost got me, but I, I got out of there. Right. But, uh, you know, either way, you know, if you're Trevor's age, geez, getting out in your late 30s and you're getting six K now his is, is, is for all his disability as well. But think about that still, that's what he's getting six K a month for having served 20 years. Like that's the gift from the American taxpayer. However, form it comes in of, you know, that he gets to serve it. Now, what would he have to do from an investment standpoint by himself to make the equivalent of 6k a month well had he done what he was talking about earlier and actually saved his money and he you know might have had 1.2 million dollars in the bank that's actually about the amount of money he would have had to have saved to be able to pull 6k a month so even if you save nothing when you after you get out after your 20 years you have an asset that pension is an asset and it has a value depending on rank and time and service of course of of gosh three quarters of a million to $2 million that we see on a, on a, on a regular basis. And it's like SBP. That's, I mean, that, that depends how you're calculated. If you're including the VA disability or whatever pension VA disability included SBP is only 55% of the pension. So what's the equivalent? If, if the value of Trevor's full payment is, you know, $1.3 million, his SBP payment um, would have only been, valued at the equivalent of around 500,000 or something, you know, rough math. Funny story. I knew you were going to bring that up. So I did the math on it because I looked at not just the, the value of my pension. Yeah. It's about present value is about 750,000. And so what that means is in order for me to continue to receive it's just the pension. Yeah. Those, those payments that I'm getting for my pension until, you know, over my life expectancy, Sorry, my I accidentally hit my mute button. I would need a lump sum of about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to provide that, and then you throw in my 
my VA disability, which I got a hundred percent permanent in total. Now you're looking at, it would take a, a lump sum of a million and a half. And that's, that's not taking taxes into account or anything like that. If obviously if you were going to get taxed on that stuff, you would need more. But I went and looked at like, what would I have gotten under a survivor benefit plan? You know what the net present value of the survivor benefit plans uh, annuity would be for my wife? It'd be about $338,000. Right. And so that's, you know, that's the problem, you know, from the government's perspective, the SBP really doesn't do a good enough job covering the pension. It's there. It's an option. It's something, but very, very limited, inflexible on what it offers, let alone how you pay for it, how you qualify for it. Um, and then the VGLI is designed to be kind of like a group term to replace any VA disability payment. But you know that's also very fixed and stuff. But the problem is on the, you know, when, when, well, when anybody says, well, the other thing you can do is go get some like term insurance from a big insurance company and get like a 20, 30 year term. And they talk to them about the death benefits only about the value of replacing the SBP. Sometimes that's how people get justified being sold whole life insurance. So really, even if they are going to the free market, whether it's term, they're not, the term's never long enough because the term's going to end. You know, the probability of somebody dying within that term is like less than 2%. So term is never the solution. It just isn't. But whole life, the traditional alternative you get from financial advisors and stuff and love it or hate it, you know, there's, it gets used wrong. Either way, they're only using that smaller number, $300,000 death benefit. Not nearly enough, um, but it makes for a good sale <laughs> for, for whole life insurance. Um, and so that's why we realized, hey, with new, with new versions of insurance, we can, we can do both things. Uh, we can get the longevity. We can get uh, you know, cost reduction. We can repurpose money that would have gone into the VGLI you know, if you're 40 years old and you sign up for the VGI for 30 years, you know, it's into your 70s. That's not that late. It's it's a hundred thousand dollars of total payments, regardless of age or uh, of, of, of how healthy you are or anything like that. I don't think anybody stays in that long. But then, likewise, 30 years of SBP payments could easily be another hundred hundred fifty thousand dollars. So, what if you could take that same money you were putting into something and reinvest it on the free market and just you decide what you do with it? That's kind of how we want to, you know, open people's eyes up to you know, taking the SPP and the VGLI. It's not one of your benefits that are just part of the package. It's an option. Yeah. And I, you know, kind of like what you said, it's, it's one of those deals where you hear people talk about the investment type stuff too, right? One thing, no one thing is going to make you successful. So I, you know, kind of using a combination of, of different things, um, you know, just having worked around this for a long time, I think is something that we found to be a lot more effective because, you know, obviously that's something we deal with on a, on a daily basis, right? I, I get calls all the time. I know you get calls all the time where people are like, Hey, you know what? I have questions about this survivor benefit plan thing. Is, is this a good deal for me? And, you know, pretty much my answer is always the same. And I'm like, not if you qualify for a better option. And so that's something that you and I have worked on is like, how do we create that? And I'm not, don't think I'm doing a sales pitch here. I'm, I'm really here to kind of tell people like there is a better option out there. And we've done tons of research on this and tried to figure out like, what's the optimal solution to replace something that, you know, is not the best deal if you can qualify for it. There's a better so, option for some people. And it's like, if that's you, wouldn't, wouldn't you like to know about it? That's my yeah. Or you yeah say, so like, let me, let me talk about from, you know, the, the transitioning veteran perspective, the end user piece, yeah. because it was like any, uh, I think it was October, I think when I went, yeah, it was the end of October, which kind of was the, you know, the, the fuel of the fire that ended up starting this podcast. So, and the, the SBP class was, I knew what was coming sort of because you know, surround my people, surround by people that are a lot smarter than me uh, and talking about this stuff. But when the, when the guy came on and of course I had to do it through zoom because of COVID and he, he came on and he was talking about SVP and SVP was, is sold 
or it was informed, not sold. I want to use, use that in context. Was informed as there is there is SBP, and then there are other things. <laughs> There's so so you are automatic. You're automatically enrolled in SBP. True. And there are there are other things out there, and you can explore these other things out there if you would like. But you're automatically enrolled in SBP, and if you have an ex-wife or uh, your current spouse, if you want to disenroll in SBP, you have to have their concurrence and their concurrence. And there's these other things out here. And if you want to learn about these other things that are out here, you're more than welcome to go and learn about these other things that are out here. But there's SBP, and it just it kind of confirmed. I mean, I had bias going into this, obviously, you know talking to folks, but it really pissed me off because the lack of education. And then I think, you know, the, you talk about, I think in your book about 80% of the folks take SBP and I really think it's due to lack of education. Oh yeah, for sure. Because I think there, and I've, since Trevor and I've started this podcast, you know, I go on Little Creek and people talk to me about certain things about VA stuff. They'll talk to me about, you know, whatever. And a lot of times SBP stuff comes up and people do not know that there are other options out there and what those other options are. I was talking to some, you know, a colleague of mine yesterday in Boone clinic after I got my freaking teeth cleaned and he was going into immunizations and this topic came up <laughs> and we're discussing, we're discussing the options that are out there. And, and it's amazing, you know, that, that there's not, you know, we, we talk about all this other shit and yet one of the most important decisions that you're going to make as you exit, we just decided that we're not going to talk about it. And the other thing that really pissed me off was TRICARE. We're just not going to talk about healthcare. And the fact I spent a year up on Capitol Hill and that was one of the biggest things we dealt with on a day-to-day -day basis was healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. Oh, hey, just call a TRICARE rep. She'll tell you whatever you need to know. I mean, you, you I mean, we should have spent, at least an hour or two at nauseum going over medical or medical information and life insurance stuff, because that's really taking care of your family and the service member as they exit. So, uh, well, I mean, to be fair, it's like, it's the military's job to, to win the nation's wars and, you know, making sure everybody is at least status quo when it comes to, all right, personal finances, you got your life insurance sign here, SGLI, you know, it's just, Let's just shuffle them through. It's like, all right, as long as we can check the box and whenever you know, the VA has got to go in front of Congress and they say, oh, hey, 99 percent of veterans are being taken care of, you know, applause, pats on the back all around. It looks good on paper if it looks good if 80 percent of veterans are opting into SBP. They think it's I mean, they couch it as a negative if that number decreases. Why? Because it's not like your SBP payment goes into some account with your name on it. Oh, it's like Social Security. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's paying current widows. It's paying World War II widows. Now, they deserve their payment. I just don't see why is a post 9-11 veteran paying for the World War II and Vietnam widow out of their pension benefit when the government's just printing money out of thin air anyways, you know, to, to bail people out for the COVID. They could just take money <laughs> to pay. They don't have to take it out of the current veterans pension. It just doesn't, you know, it's not, it could be repurposed elsewhere. And if you do the math conservatively, we take that same $150,000 that would have gone into SBP slash VGLI, you know, a chunk of change over 30 years. What if you put that somewhere and get a 5%, 6% return on investment over 30 years? I mean, very conservative. It's like, yeah, maybe you double that money once or twice. Now you're sitting on a pot instead of a negative 150, you're sitting on a positive 300. That's a half a million dollar swing for the average en enlisted, you know, career military like that. That's real money. Imagine for more veterans, that money was in their pockets and their bank accounts, not just in some system. I, I don't know. Wouldn't that benefit the economy better to have veterans out there with cash, <laughs> either spending it, hopefully not spending it, but investing in businesses, starting on being entrepreneurs. You know, that's what I want to see. So that's kind of the, the long-term goal. Hey, it's your pension. You don't, wouldn't you rather keep every dollar of it and be able to you put it to more use? Um, it doesn't, it's not like an overnight thing, but uh, if you want to be more intentional with your benefits and, and how you do it and how you have access to it, 
Um, there, there's, there's so many, so much opportunity right now. One of the things that you're talking about there, and I, I like that about, you know, kind of your philosophy. Most of the time when people go talk to somebody, some sort of financial advisor, they're going to say, yeah, you need to, you know, do this, this, or this. And, and, you know, I've, I've heard you talk to people before and you're like, why do you limit yourself to just, just these things here? This is the traditional way of doing things. Like, are you, you know, have you thought about, you know, not just investing into something, but maybe investing into yourself over everything else, investing into, you know, your potential to, to create income, additional income. And, um, you know, and I think you, you talk a lot about that in your book, Veteran Wealth Secrets. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the only way, I mean, Naval Ravikant, if, if you're not following him on Twitter or his podcast, I, I recommend everybody should guys just full of wisdom. Um, but he had a tweet the other day I saw where he was like, you can, doesn't matter how much money you're making, you know, income wise, you can be making a million dollars a year. If somebody else is telling you what you can say, how you can act or how you can dress or where you have to be at a certain time or location, then you are not free. And, and that's it. Like ultimately, if, if somebody wants to hit this thing called financial freedom or financial independence, which I think are not useful words, uh, not useful language, but to um, have what we call financial flexibility and control, where if it is about money, then you're you're making that choice of uh, you know, when you're working, who, how you're doing it, and and uh, what it means for you financially, and if if that means anything, what the purpose is behind it. Like that's that's our goal, and um, you know, so that typically involves some version of entrepreneurship. Now, the cool thing is that's not the same as it used to be, where it's really hard. You had to have a lot of capital. You go start a business, go get your LLC. No, you don't have to do that anymore. You just have to learn the modern skills of the digital economy, kind of need to learn that stuff anyways. And eventually you can go more independent if you find ways to monetize, you know, even learning how to do Facebook ads. I was looking at that over the weekend it's a skill set I taught myself, but I don't want to have to deal with it. If somebody came in to me and said, Hey, I, I, I learned face a veteran came in and said, Hey, I learned Facebook ads. Um, over the weekend, I took a course for 300 bucks, but I was playing around with it. I figured it out. Uh, let me do it for your business. If you make some extra money, uh, will you pay me for it? Like, yeah, I do that all day. Like people can do that kind of stuff these days to start to build a practice, whether it's consulting or digital marketing or whatever. And uh, that's, you know, build, that, that comes down to personal branding and being valuable. At the end of the day, are you going to find something where you have the niche expertise, where you will continue to learn so that you are the best um, at it and not just stop? Like at some point, if you're the best at your thing, whatever it is you do, even if you are still an employee, you can choose to step out and go independent if you want at that point. I mean, the highest paid people in any field, any industry are those who are well-known. Look at Dr. Phil, Dave Ramsey, we talked about him earlier. Dave Ramsey is not even a licensed financial professional, right? So um, it's, you know, there's, you know, that's, that's the opportunity if you truly want financial freedom. I just think there's cool ways to do what you guys are doing. I mean, this isn't your full-time job, but by simply putting yourself out there, people walk up to you. They ask for your help. Like th these are things anybody can do. Um, and eventually, you know, mo monetize it to, you know, have it become a job. And if you're also getting a pretty good military pension, you know, while you're doing this kind of stuff, it, that, that you know, creates so much more flexibility. And I think helps people, you know, even if they have to take that first job right when they get out of the military, sure, I understand uh, the need there. But over time, to give yourself the permission to be like, all right, we saved some money. I got the pension coming in. I want to do this other thing that gives me more freedom and start to you know, create additional income if needed or be able to make your lifestyle mobile. We don't have to be living somewhere where it costs whatever it costs. I know I got... I talked to people, uh, I talked to uh, somebody uh, the, last week that's in Mexico, earlier this week, that's in Mexico, a uh, Naval, uh, Naval Academy grad. 
just down in Mexico, living super cheap, running an online business. Um, and you know, that's our goal to, to get more people who want that kind of lifestyle deserve it or don't know that it's possible for them, more veterans to be doing that versus kind of wasting away in a cubicle. Because uh, I think that's adding to some of the mental issues <laughs> that we, we yeah. see, especially for you know military. I mean, that's I was in that same boat. I was like, man, I had this very strict. I'm just one of those people that I, I hate people telling me what to do all the time. And, and so some people were like, "How the hell did you last 20 years in the military?" And I was like, "I just didn't necessarily." I worked around bombs. Do it. Not not <laughs> yeah. many people wanted to hang out with me. Yeah, it was cool. Like, hey, there's a bomb right under me. You might want to back up. But uh, you sure you want to tell me what to do right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I get that. Uh, I kind of went that way too, and. Um, Hopefully here in a couple of weeks, Mike and I are going to have a really good episode with a guy who kind of inspired me to, to go, go that route. Kind of the same one you did, right? Cause you were, I mean, you didn't even really talk about your background in the military, which I, I think is also a good story. Yeah. Like how I ended up getting out. Yeah. Oh no. I just, I mean, I was a, a air defense officer in the army. We never really did that. But uh, I was over in Germany and I happened to be dating a German opera singer at the at the time and realized there's no opera singing at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. You know, so I wasn't going to be staying in the army. I was I was just, oh, I guess I'll just stay over here in Germany. Like, let's try to find a job. And, and that's how I ran into another West Point grad who was doing, you know, financial planning. It's oh, it's this cool career. You can be an expert and help people out and make as much money as you want. And so I, I got I got sold that pitch. It's a good job that you don't nobody pays you and you have to actually, you know, go out there and make business. So it's kind of a a weird introduction into what is, you know, business ownership and sales to an extent. Um, it's just unfortunate. A lot of the people in the industry don't tell veterans what it really is. They just want to get into their Rolodex, um, but uh, or in their phones or their LinkedIn profiles nowadays. But you know, so that that's an unfortunate part of the industry. What I went through and recognized since I had done it in Germany, um, I was in a weird position where I was only working with military, um, you know, senior military, and like Stuttgart. So a lot of people getting out of the military transition and dealing with this SBP problem. I wasn't in San Diego where there was, you know, a financial advisor, CFP in every other corner. So I just kind of got very specific on this, this problem around SBP it was like kept on coming up and like nobody else was talking about, it. nobody had any idea. And I just thought, well, you can just do this with life insurance. And since we could do that over in Germany, it ended up kind of working out for a while, uh, but yeah, I could solve this nice problem. But then I realized, you know, all those other things we've been talking about, these people are still miserable. <laughs> you know, they're just government employee, just trying to, oh, I got 10 more years. And I'm like, you know, why aren't we teaching people what wealth really means? Like I, I, my mentor who was, had all these clients that in that, that situation um, was living in a penthouse in Verona, Italy, you know, making half a million dollars a year, traveling all over the place. He'd have his clients come visit with him, just kind of show off but they'd have to go back to their, you know, government and contracting job. Right. And, uh, and I eventually this, the soprano dumped me. So I was able to, you know, I was like, well, I'm free and independent and make my own hours. So I remember one time I was on a beach in Thailand and I, iPhones had just come out and I got an email from a client who was having problems, needed to move money around. And it was, it was all these, it was stress, but I'm sitting on a beach in Thailand and I was afraid that they might want to talk to me and are going to find out that I'm on a beach in Thailand and not in my office in, in Stuttgart, Germany. And I was so afraid. I mean, it took me years to like wrap my head around this. I was like, why on earth? I was like, that was the lifestyle I created for myself. Like, it was awesome. I should have been proud of it. Like, oh, cool. Like, oh, let me just fix this. You know, by the way, I'm on a beach. You know, that that's the kind of, you know, people I wanted to be working with to inspire. Like, how do you how do you do that? And um, and, and, you know, the, the kind of the big epiphany for me uh, another quick story. I, I was working with what I called my favorite client. She was a 38 year old Air Force officer. I read about this in the book in more detail, but she had, she was working for a government contractor. So making good money, he was very frugal and saved like $750,000 in her retirement accounts at age by age 38. And you know, didn't spend her money, would just travel 
um, on the weekends. And when she had vacation, she'd take a few weeks and go down to Africa and work with charities. And, you know, that's what she really filled her up. She'd you know, go back to her job as a project manager, working with a bunch of, you know, knucklehead drunks over there that basically they get their contracts by taking, you know, the contracting officer of the strip club, but that's another story. <laughs> but, uh, but um, you know, that, that was her environment. She hated it. Wanted to go do this other thing, had all this money, came to me one day and said, Scott, can I take like $20,000 and travel the world and quit my job for a year? Could I? Like, am I allowed? And, you know, as the financial advisor, as I was told, you know, I, um, apparently I, I, I could actually, you know, give some input. But my mindset at that time had started to shift. And I was just like, instead of making the financially prudent decision, I was like, yes, go do it. Take my take 50,000. Who cares? You have the money. You saved all this money. And instead of doing that, <laughs> she didn't take my advice. She fired me because she or probably the, the people that she worked with, uh, all the people who were like investing in Google and making Tesla, <laughs> Tesla trades, you know, they were you know, probably saying, hey, this is bad retirement planning advice. How dare you use your retirement? You're going to have to pay fees and taxes and penalties. And it was technically that's bad retirement planning advice. If you take a 38, tell your 38 year old to go travel to Africa with the retirement money. And but that's what I was, that's what she wanted to do. That's what she had set herself up to do. Like that's good advice. Like, man, that just blew my mind. And so that's when I kind of quit and I was like, I got to find a better way to do this or find the right type of people to work with who don't want to be tied to any sort of you know, story or limitations. Um, especially if you are doing the right things financially. For all I know, this is six years ago. And if I looked at her LinkedIn, she's still at that same company. And I was like, man, like she could have done all these you know, cool things. But anyways, I hope she uh, knows that she inspired all this <laughs> one day. No, that's good. So I guess now we're, we're kind of at the point where we can talk about this. Like, what's the fix, right? Because we said, hey, we're going to talk about survivor benefit plan. And we kind of cover like, yes, it's not necessarily a great deal if you can qualify for the other options. Um, so, I mean, quick for obviously we write about this in the book, tons of stuff on our website. We've got a webinar uh, that explains this in detail. Also a series of videos um, that walk you through kind of you know, how do you do the, that pension analysis, you know, to figure out what the value is of the pension. When you figure out the value of the pension, then you start to know, okay, how much of it do I want to protect? That's the defensive side of things. Basically, all right, how much life insurance do I need to qualify for? If I you know, can't get qualified for it, then gosh, the SBP looks like a pretty good option. So that's really where we want to start is figuring out, all right, what can you qualify for? It just so happens that now with new, new versions, new technology, life insurance is software. It, you know, once you get qualified, you can go back to the drawing board and say, okay, now we know exactly what the costs are involved and we can start playing with things a little bit differently and saying, all right, how much on the defensive that we want, like we said earlier, but of that money we were going to invest, put towards SBP, for example, anyways, you know, what, if, what if we put that same amount of money, you could put more, you could put less, but we just start there for design purposes. What if we put that in a permanent policy the index universal life, not the whole life. It's just better software. It's newer stuff designed properly. There's dozens of versions of them. So we have particular relationships, particular design strategies that make ours different than anything else you see out there. But you know, anybody could, could technically design this. Uh, they just don't because they don't understand all the nuances the way we do. But that gives us an offensive component. It, it just gives us a way to have that money that would have otherwise just been sunken cost go to get some growth. So that way we get some return on investment regardless of what happens when. So if you're up and kicking still in 30 years, you're gonna have a nest egg there that you can draw from because maybe you don't need all the death benefit you needed earlier on. And so it's a very flexible and fluid way to get the benefits of, of replacing the survivor benefit plan. But bonus you also get to replace the full pension and va disability if you want that's just up to you what you can qualify for but the flip side of it you know chances are you don't get hit by a bus now you've got additional um resources assets to draw from for whatever reason it doesn't have to be just at retirement just at age 65 could be um, you know just depending on how you fund it uh could be a way to 
start a business, pay for a wedding, travel, take some time off, um, or just use it as additional retirement income. And the nice thing about all that is, one, if you, if you did get hit by a bus, spouse is getting a lump sum tax-free versus that you know, monthly payments we talked about at the beginning. If you don't get hit by a bus, you got a, a nice nest egg, which like a Roth IRA or Roth TSP is, is tax-free and accessible for at any reason. So you know, that's, that's the better option, the better solution uh, that we've designed with the Survivor Liberty Plan. Um, and uh, we like to you know, obviously you know, help the, those service members going through it you know, see if it's a good fit for them. But uh, likewise, working with other financial professionals, it's like, as I said, it's like, hey, if we could teach more people to do this, it works out better for everybody. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, everybody shouldn't be so scared. It's just life insurance. You know, <laughs> we're not we're not doing some sort of investment, you know, real estate scheme or, or whatever. Uh, that's where people get confused. They can't imagine that life insurance can work differently than they've been told their whole lives. And it's, it's like, well, it's the first time you hear how uh, uh, flipping a house or renting a house works, you know, just from having a mortgage. It's like, oh, I can make income on that. I didn't know I could actually have a return on investment. So it, again, it's, it's, it's meant for the people who are, have actually saved some money or are doing better financially from an income perspective. It's just going to work out uh, better in most cases uh, for those who are a little bit more intentional with their funds. And for those who aren't, all the all the traditional solutions are there and that's what makes us great we just kind of want to do the, the more advanced stuff when you when you started saying that you made me think of an analogy that i that i've used before where it's like imagine how you felt when you found out how babies were actually made um <laughs> i mean that's that's essentially what it is because you know when you're young you hear this oh you know the stork whatever and all this yeah. and you're like what Santa Claus is it get, real? Get out of That's not how babies are made, right? So, well, meanwhile, I could, say, you got, I could say the same thing about half the stuff, and I, I thought were real about the military. Yeah, well, that's that's <laughs> when you have the group, the you know, the gurus like you were talking about earlier. Like I'm telling you right now, the stork is how the babies get to, and anybody tells you different than duper duper duper, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, I just look at it and I'm like, no, that's not how babies are made. I don't care how you spin it or what you say somebody is, you know, those people are just trying to sell you uh, baby making kits and it, it's not going to work. I talk all about it. My new course that you can download off the website right now for one nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. And um, save, just follow them. Do, do, <laughs> do your thrift savings plan like me and everybody else in this Facebook group. And, oh yeah, That's uh, we'll all uh, we'll all benefit together because all thirty thousand of us are the same person. Those um. are, <laughs> yeah. That I was going to ask, like, hey, you know, what do you think are some of the biggest obstacles to success when it comes to that stuff? And the Facebook groups, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. So, no, no but, liability. But now you and I have been, uh, you know, ranting on here for a little bit. What's uh, Mike? Your your kind of perspective after hearing us go back and forth on this? I, I just still, you know, it, it's just the, the education piece and getting it, getting the education out there and, and it's just so frustrating to me that, that folks don't know what they don't know and, and the way that the SBP is sold, like I've said before, and, you know, going back and looking at the data and in the VGLI. I mean, I don't know if we, we didn't talk too much about VGLI, you know, and how, how the inverse costs, how, how nice and cheap it is up front. And I think, what is it by the time you get up to about 70 or something, it's about 1800 bucks a month or something like that. Ridiculous. It's, it's 70. It's like nine twenty a month. And at 75, it's like twice that. So yeah. when you yeah. most need it is when you can least afford it. Yeah. For a uh, 400K. So, you know, when, when folks look at these things, you know, they, they really need to educate themselves and, and don't take the tap GPS course at face value. And a lot of folks, I know, you know, they're a one-legged man in an ass kicking contest when they're transitioning but they really just need to go the, the extra mile and, and do the research and find out what's best for them. And I know there's some folks that I've talked to that are colleagues of ours 
and there's one of my, you know, the current organization I work with where SBP may make sense for him because there are instances where SBP will continue to pay because he has an exceptional family member where uh, one of his, one of his children are, will require care for the rest of their life. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, so there, those are few and far between few and far between where that value in that plan makes absolute sense for him. And there's a, there's another one that Trevor and I work, work with that it makes perfect sense for him as well from a, from a return on investment perspective. But I think for the vast majority, the 80% that we're talking about that opt in, I would venture to say 75% of those, if they went and educated themselves, they would probably opt for something else. Well, I'm happy to give them a copy of uh, my book that explains (laughs) this whole thing in 50 pages. Yeah. And yeah, well, that's what Mike was going through that. I mean, that's what I, that's what I wrote it. uh, Cause I was just like, okay, there's kind of a book about SBP online, but you know, it's, it's really just some very generic scenarios and it's not from like, I'm writing it from a perspective of one, someone who didn't do a career, but I've been watching people go through their, you know, full career transition and how, and, and looking at the financial perspective for the last, you know, 12, 13 years. And so I've just been seeing it from a kind of an outsider's perspective. And since I wasn't with a big name firm that had their one size fits all solution for everybody, I was independent. I was able to go to seminars and I started reading books and, and I just saw the different stuff going on in the industry. I was like, I think we can find better fits for this. And I think the other thing that frustrates the shit out of me is that you have to opt out of it. You know, I have to have, of course, I won't have a problem getting my my current spouse to opt out of it, but my practice wife, you know, that's, that's not going to be a problem either. Cause it's all in my divorce decree, but I'm sure some <laughs> of these other folks are going to have, you know, it's going to be a huge pain in the ass for them, which I was going to put an asterisk on my 20 year career. Cause you know, at my 20 year mark, that's when I, I got rid of my practice wife. So that's a huge asterisk on my, on my extension into the 25 year mark. Cause I had to take the EOD blood money. Uh, which was a reset button for, for my, uh, for my fiscal reset, we'll call it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so there's an asterisk on there for, for my, for my 20 year mark, which hence propelled me just the hell with it, go to 30 and, and be done with it. And that's, and that's a, a factor that comes up. I got a LinkedIn message from a guy yesterday who was saying, Hey, I'm getting a divorce, like right during transition. And, uh, what my wife wants the SBP, like, does she have to, could she pay for it? Like that kind of thing. So there's all sorts of weird factors that come into play in that situation that, you know, I don't know if having already privatized the solution, I would think so, you know, years earlier, if we could get this out, you know, people earlier in their career, you know, get these kind of things all privatized and personalized that it makes any sort of potential future divorce a lot easier. I, you know, I think one of the other big things to hit on too, because I know we're, we're getting close here, but make sure you give yourself enough time to really about a learn about it and, and really be, you know, evaluate your options. And I I've heard people who don't really work in this industry say, Oh, you know, you do it six to 12 months out. No wrong. You should be looking at this probably at least 24 months out. Um, because one of the big things with that qualifying for these private options is a, a medical screening. You have to go through and see like, you know, they're going to evaluate the amount of risk that they're taking on board because this is a private company. It's not the government. They don't just say, oh, we're going to get, we can just print a trillion dollars more if we need to. Um, you know, they have kind of an obligation to say, hey, we need to do our homework on this. So, you know, one of the big things that gets a lot of people as they're getting out of the military is they wait too long to see what they qualify for. And, you know, you got two conflicting things, like I want to look as, as healthy as I can on paper, but then, you know, before I do my VA disability claim, I want to go in and talk to the doc and put every little ache and pain and every, you know, nook and cranny on my body and put that into my medical record. So, you know, when I tell people like, yes, you should be looking at this 
24 months out. Yeah. That's, you know, if somebody tells you six to 12 months, they chances are they, they haven't ever really done this stuff and, and seen all the things that can go wrong. Cause I've, I've done, you know, probably at least a hundred cases uh, over the last couple of years. And I see all the stuff that happens, right. Things go wrong. People, you know, I had a guy that found out he was a diabetic going through uh, the qualification process. And it's like, Oh, you didn't know that. <laughs> um, so, well, this is, you know, it's a huge math problem. You know, you have to factor in how old you are, how old your spouse is, how old your kids are, you know, and, and they're doing it from their side of the table as well. The underwriters are looking at, you know, based on all of the shit that's wrong with you, what's the chances of you dying in 10 years and 20 years, because it's, it's all a business-based decision from their perspective. That's all it is. It's a business. So yeah. it's a math problem. It's a simple math problem, not a simple one. Cause they went through a shit ton of school to get to it, but yeah, it's a math problem. It's just, it's what it is. Yep. So Scott, I, I know uh, you had mentioned this before, you know, Mike had talked about this, the education piece, people not really learning about the alternatives. And I know that's something that you and I have been working on and I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit about that uh, because we're, that's, that's a problem that we're trying to solve because it's a huge one that a lot of people have. Yeah. Cause it, it can be a catch 22 as well. Cause uh, you know, you know, our types where they want to, Oh, geez, I need to know this. And so they start trying to think they need to learn, learn it inside and out. And it's kind of like, well, you need to know how to drive the car. You don't necessarily know how to you know, turn all the, the nuts and bolts of it. Um, but that's where we like to teach. OK, y- yes, these are advanced versions of traditional products. So there are some new bells and whistles, but you know it's like driving a Tesla. Once you learn the bells and whistles, it can uh, it can be you know quite quite interesting, quite fun to really start to apply it and think about how you'd use it for your future, for your own financial strategy. So that's where we like to think about the education of life insurance specifically and investing as a whole and building wealth. Um, And then when it comes to the SBP problem and stuff, yeah, we've got tons of articles and ways to analyze that and how to use the government calculators and all that kind of stuff. At the the end of the day, um, I would encourage people do not overthink it. I mean, it comes down to a couple of things. One, do you even qualify for a privatized option? Two, all right, if so, how much do you want to protect of your pension? What are you trying to, what costs and benefits are you trying to replace or avoid um, from the government side of things to, to try to take on the free market? And then once you kind of know those numbers, you can basically just go to the design to, um, you know, figure out what you want. And then the education can be ongoing because this is a living, you know, breathing tool. This is, this is like owning, like I mentioned earlier, kind of like owning real estate property. You can adjust it through time. You, you don't just put it in the stock market and see what happens. You see other opportunities. Uh, maybe you want to start a business. Well, why not go to this money you would have otherwise put to SBP use it to start a business, have it work for you elsewhere at the same time. So it can be quite flexible in that, in that regard. So we, we teach all those different, different concepts, you know, again, why you need it, how to replace it, how to qualify for it. And then what to do with it is really what makes everything we do different than the tra- traditional approach of just save more money and put it in these investments. Then what, you know, our whole thing is, okay, what do you, what's the whole point? What are you doing with your money? What are you aspiring to be personally? Um, how do you want to you know, have purpose and you know, meaning in this uh, world? I hope you want that. <laughs> what's the what's the best place uh, people can find you? Um, obviously uh, on LinkedIn, Scott R. Tucker. Uh, please uh, hit me up. Let me know if you got any questions. Happy to chat. Jump on a call. Uh, usvetwealth.com. We're kind of uh, making some uh, improvements on the website there, but you can uh, tool around and check out articles and find videos and and of course, um, see all the specific stuff we have about uh, SBP on the resources page. Mike, what you got? Well, I, I want to bring up something that, that probably I remember us talking about it when we were floating the idea for the show and we were reaching out to you for mentorship on this crazy idea of the Get to Vet podcast. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we were bouncing this idea, uh, you know, off of you. And one of the things that I mean, still this day resonates with me 
was your blue water comment was finding the blue water. And I don't, it doesn't matter if it's the podcast stuff or anything that I'm thinking about. It's that blue water comment that you talked to us about. that still resonates with me. And I, and I thank you for that nugget of wisdom and uh, it'll stick with me for a very long time. Thanks Scott. Oh, wow. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that worked. I mean, it worked for me. That's why I passed it along. I was like, when I heard that, I was like, go oh, duh, go create your own, you know, group of audience. Don't try to fight with everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> find the blue water. Yeah. Yep. Find the blue water. Cool. Well, hey guys, uh, Scott Tucker, author of Veteran Wealth Secrets, uh, the Modern Guide to and the Modern Guide to Veteran and Military Life Insurance Planning, and also my other partner in crime for my other business at uh, US Vet Wealth. Connect with him on LinkedIn. Uh, he's got a lot of good stuff. He doesn't just center around personal finance stuff. He's real big on personal branding and um, he's got a great video series on the veteran wealth secrets, YouTube channel about how to build your LinkedIn profile. And, uh, so if, if that's something else that you're working on, as you're getting out of the military, definitely go check out that YouTube channel and watch it. Scott, thanks again for coming on the show. No, I absolutely appreciate you guys, uh, having me on and, uh, Hey, are we, uh, announcing, uh, doing a webinar series on, on this topic? Oh yeah. 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 So, uh, that was something else. Well, we were just talking about that, um, alternatives to the survivor benefit plan, because I know, you know, the, I went through the class when I retired, Mike went through it. I've sat in on a couple of virtual, uh, versions of the class and you know, there's a side where they're like, yeah, here's some other stuff. And, uh, they, they don't really dive into it. So Scott and I said, Hey, let's, let's do something where we can show people like, here's what the alternatives are. So uh, I think we're going to shoot, what did we say? The first Tuesday of every month, um, I think around four or 5 PM, we're going to start doing webinars on that. And then we'll, we'll post the recording to it as well. Um, looking at, you know, if you're interested in learning, Hey, what are the alternatives that are available to me? Yeah. But uh, so if you're interested in that, please let us know you know, what we can be flexible with the time if we need to adjust. So let's know what good times are, what your questions are, you want us to talk about, you know, so on and so forth. Yep. All right. Thanks again for coming on, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Awesome. Thanks, guys. That was fun. All right. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Get to Vet podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and follow us on LinkedIn. If you'd like to come on the show, email us at Mike or Trevor at gettovet.net. That's get the number two vet.net and let us help you get to vet.